my name is Joe Masters, and welcome to the first episode of DMV on Deck. I will be talking everything DC sports and getting you up to date on what you need to know and what to look forward to. I'm sure every fan who had been through the 2019 season, championship season, was just disappointed to the fullest extent after what took place in 2021. Um, and it's, it's, it's rightfully fans have shown displeasure with, you know, what took place at the deadline and there's nothing wrong with that. But for other fans who have been here since when the team came to DC or even 2009 at the most recent point when they were a record worse, 59 and 103, um, what happened in 2021 should not be seen as as bad as it is. Uh, today I want to talk about the future of the Washington Nationals, starting off with some of the bad things that it's just good to get out of the way, and then some of the positive things the team has going for them. So just starting away, like I just mentioned, the team just finished 65-97, which was the worst season they had had since 2009 when they went 59-103, and that's the Adam Dunn years, which seems like decades ago. Um... For a team that had been used to division championship after division championship, making the playoffs, and then eventually winning a World Series, the 65 and 97 was just earth-shattering to a fan, a franchise and its fan base who was just used to having all-stars and success and a trade deadline where we were looking to adding the pieces, not trading them away. So the immediacy of, you know, slumping towards the deadline and the just sudden development of Scherzer's gone, Turner's gone. I think it hit fans really hard and they were not expecting it. And because of what happened in 2019, they had a bad start just like they had had in 2021. But for whatever reason, luck could not strike twice. They were not able to get healthy. They were not have some of the players who were struggling, Corbin, to name one, Strasburg, who was in and out of the lineup, uh, in and out of rotation, more so, um, could not get healthy. They couldn't perform. Um, in 2019, you saw players like Anibal Sanchez turn it around, which really just catapulted uh, that run. And Trey Turner get healthy and get hot, and that catapulted that run. And and Anthony Rendon getting healthy, becoming an MVP candidate. That just didn't happen for the 2021 Nationals. You saw Josh Bell starting to play well, but it was a little bit of too little too late. So I'd say the first bad thing is a lack of immediate talent. I mean, when you trade away players like Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Josh Harrison, Jan Gomes, Kyle Schwarber, and Daniel Hudson, among others, you're sacrificing talent on your roster for at least the next couple of years. And that's something that I think it took a while for fans to realize. Those are five, six, seven, eight quality veterans that, as you saw at the deadline, teams wanted and they needed. And the Nationals, you trade that away you're going to take a hit, which explains the 65-97 and 97 record. But all those players were on expiring contracts, but they were all key contributors to the team. Scherzer, Turner, Harrison, Gomes, all veterans, and a lot of them key pieces, especially Daniel Hudson, to the championship run in October. They all have postseason experience. And when you're trading that away, you're, you're accepting the fact, and it took fans a while to accept the fact that 
the roster just is not going to be as completed as it had been for the last 10, 10, 11 years. Also, I think part of the blame has to go to bad contracts. I mean, case in point, Steven Strasburg's seven-year, $245 million contract after the championship offseason. Maybe, unfortunately, to admit, one of the worst contracts currently in baseball. He's pitched 26.2 innings in the two years since signing that contract. I mean, he was sidelined in 2020 with carpal tunnel issues, which is pretty rare for a pitcher and concerning in his throwing hand. And this past year with neck surgery, um, he was arguably one of the best pitchers on the planet during that postseason run. He had numerous scoring uh, scoring records holding teams to low amount of runs that had never been seen in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure he was undefeated, all the stats in front of me. But he was playing at an all-time level. And that is the reason why the Nationals gave him the seven-year, $245 million contract. And get me wrong, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not faulting Rizzo for signing to that contract. I know it was a risk because of its injury history in the past with Tommy John and all that. But you, after what he did in that postseason, and after his, him being the face of the franchise for so long before Harper, the, the, the number one prospect, uh, he His debut was one of the most iconic moments in Nationals history. It was in a way you kind of had to give him that contract, um, especially after. And it, that was even more so after what he did in October in the World Series and against the Dodgers. I mean, so I'm not blaming with that. But it was a risk, and people acknowledged it at the time, myself included. And you're starting to see what we all feared. I'm not saying he can't get it back on track, but after two, two years of surgery, on top of having that Tommy John when he was a rookie, it's hard to see him return to the form that was that would, you know, make sense for that value of that contract. $245 million. It's one of the biggest contracts in baseball for a pitcher. It really reset the market. At the same time, Garrett Cole signed his massive contract, and Garrett Cole has obviously been an ace for the Yankees. So it is tough, and that is definitely not having one of your aces in your in your rotation for two years in a row will obviously derail anything you have going for yourself. And I guess another view another view for why this team has been struggling and why they had to eventually trade so many key players was Patrick Corbin's rapid decline from the 2019 season and the postseason. He signed a six-year $140 million contract before that season, and he played a key role out of the bullpen, closing games, coming in relief, starting games, Especially after his hiccup against the Dodgers, he was really solid the rest of that series and against the Astros. But since 2019, he has not been the same. In 2020, in 2021, sorry, he had a 4.66 ERA, a 1.56 whip in 2020. And then in 2021, he had a 5.82 ERA and a 7.5 strikeouts per nine, which is the lowest since his rookie year. So something wasn't clicking. He was getting shelled left and right. And for the $140 million contract that he was given, it's starting to look really bad. Um, combine that with Strasburg's and their injury history, it's, it's concerning. And it's getting to a point where it got to a point where Mike Rizzo felt the age of this team at the time of the deadline combined with my two aces besides Shores at the time their injury history and Corbin's lack of performance, and I guess you could say Strasburg's lack of performance since he wasn't even playing, it forced the hand of the team to, to, to sell off. So 
that was kind of the catapult for that just, uh, just complete teardown of the team. Um, but I do believe an equal amount of criticism has to go to bad drafting. When you look at it, the Nationals have gotten a lot of their success through good, like smart trades, and we'll get into some of the good, and trades has to do with it, but people forget to realize our drafting and the reason why we were forced to do this this trade deadline massacre was to recoup and and replenish the farm system because we had failed with so many first-round draft picks. I mean, I can just list a couple. Carter Cuban in 2016, first-round draft pick. He has a career 197 batting average. Seth Romero the year after. He appeared shortly in the big leagues, but has had behavioral issues and hasn't pitched particularly well in the minors. Mason Denenberg in 2018 had Tommy John surgery in 2021 and has only pitched one season in the Gulf Coast League, and he had a 7.52 ERA. That's three straight years of what is looking right now like three busts back-to-back-to-back. No team can be a sustained winner when you fail on three first-round draft picks back-to-back-to-back. It's impossible. So I think it starts with better drafting. You won't be forced to hand out these huge contracts to Strasburg and Corbin, to name a few, if you had guys waiting in the wings, if you drafted better. I mean, for a while, one of our better pitching prospects was Eric Fetty. That, I mean, that's, that's saying something. So I think it, it has starts with better, better drafting. I mean, you're seeing that recently, but... Leading up to the championship run, if you had looked at our, our draft or our draft history, you could see it beginning where it could all crumble down with failed draft picks. And I mean, you can even include Victor Robles in it. He's not a draft pick, but an international signing that hyped up prospect. He really hasn't panned out. He was he was really he was pretty solid for in his rookie year in 2019, or his first full season in 2019. And he was a key defensive component on the in the postseason run. But I mean, he's not even projected to be a starting center fielder anymore. So it's it's development, but more so it's drafting. And I think that, in addition to bad contracts and bad immediate talent, will explain and do it does explain the next year or so, which might not be as as successful as Nationals fans are hoping for. But like I always say, and there definitely is some light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, so if we're going to transition to the good stuff, it has to start, number one, with Juan Soto. I mean, he is the face of the franchise, finally. Now that Scherzer and Turner, I would never say Turner was competing with him, but now that Scherzer's gone and Strasburg's, we don't know, Soto is, without a doubt, the face of the franchise. Under control for another three seasons, MVP candidate year in and year out, generational talent. I mean, he's putting up numbers comparable to Griffey Jr. I mean, there's stats that show that he was on pace for Mantle. I mean, he is just incredible. And he's uh, someone you have to hold on to. You can't, you cannot lose Juan Soto. And, I mean, I see the comments on my page. I know at least 15 Nationals fans in my immediate life, my immediate circle, that I know that if they, if he left, they're gone. I mean, they're not supporting the team anymore. So, if there's any going to be anything good for the future, it starts with re-signing that man. Re-signing 22 is 
the most important uh, piece to the puzzle for this Nationals team going forward. And he, I mean, as long as you have him on your team, you're going to sell tickets. So having him is, and if you can get him on a long-term deal, will do wonders for this baseball team. Moving on, I would say something to look forward to is definitely the new additions from the deadline and plus the draft. I'll name but on the list of players we acquired at the deadline, Kiber Ruiz, he hit 284 for the Nationals, a couple home runs. He started to really settle in. And that was a, a thing that was on a scouting report where people were worried a little bit. He was struggling early on. And they started him in Rochester. David Martinez mentioned when they traded for him, he need, he's a guy that needs to settle in wherever he goes. So it seems like that's just a part of his character or how he plays because it really showed when he, went to, when he made it to the big leagues. He struggled a little bit, but he started to settle in. And was honestly, towards the end of the year, one of the better hitters not named Juan Soto on the team. He was consistent. He drew walks, good contact, some homers. I mean, he a switch-hitting catcher is rare. So he's definitely going to be a big building block going forward for this Nationals team. Josiah Gray was acquired from that same try with the Dodgers. He sh- he flashed with potential, with a nice arsenal of fastball, curveball, changeup. So he really seems to figure to be a good a good piece of this rotation going forward. There's also the Lane Thomas trade where we traded uh, aging John Lester on an expiring deal, I'm pretty sure, for a young outfielder, Lane Thomas, who has years of control. And Lane ended up taking over for Victor Robles and is now projected to be the starting center fielder in 2022. So that trade is an example of another reason why I think we're, we will be good for the future is Mike Rizzo and his genius. That there are young players in peace now that we didn't have two, three years ago that will be ready to compete later on. Moving on, Riley Adams, catcher acquired from the uh, Blue Jays. Before Ruiz made it up, he was playing well. He, he seems to figure in maybe at first base, uh, platooning with Josh Bell if Ryan Zimmerman ever decides to retire. <laughs> uh, Gerardo Carrillo was a pitcher also acquired from the Dodgers. He is getting to work in the minors and seems to be a pretty um, exciting prospect. There's also Donovan Casey, who's a really all-around outfielder. He can throw, he can run, he can hit. He struggles with strikeouts, but he was mashing the ball in double-A and came up to triple-A and played a couple games, put about a month worth of games and wasn't doing well, but I think the Nationals are going to bring him to spring training and have him compete for a roster spot opening day. There's also Aldo Ramirez, who was acquired from the Red Sox for Kyle Schwarber, and he's one of the more interesting prospects. He's young, he hasn't had many that many experience in the minors, that much experience in the minors, and he has some plus stuff. He was coming off an injury, so we haven't seen much of him, but from what I heard from Red Sox personnel and from scattering reports is that he could be one of the more higher, higher potential guys that we got back from the deadline. Also, Mason Thompson, you got from the Padres for Hudson. And, I mean, if you look at the numbers from Daniel Hudson on the on the Padres and Mason Thompson on the Nationals, you could make a case that even in that second half of the season, Mason Thompson was outperforming Daniel Hudson. So that was another A-plus trade. Jordy Barley, that's another one who we acquired from that same Padres trade. I mean, I don't figure him to be a main factor on the, main, on the big leagues, but... We will see. He had a couple highlights down in uh, single A. 
And then the Oakland Athletics trade, we got Drew Milas, Seth Schumann, and Richard Gouache, if I'm pronouncing that right. Those are just three young prospects who already have been in the top 30 of the Nationals uh, farm system, uh, MLB pop pipeline. So it's just an influx of talent into a farm system that has needed it for years. And even if some of these guys don't even make it to the majors, having that depth in that in that minor league system is just crucial to running a successful baseball team for years and not just winning one championship and then falling off the face of the earth, which is what we're seeing right now. But there are also guys that are already in the system and expect the international signings that should have national fans even more excited. Jackson Rutledge, who was sidelined by injuries but has showed promise maybe as a reliever. Um, Cade Cavalli, who was arguably one of the best pitchers in the minors, any team, last year. He led the minors in strikeouts. Uh, he went started the year in Wilmington high A ball and made it all the way up to triple A Rochester. In one year, his debut year. So he could make it up to the majors next year. I think he has a chance maybe towards September call-ups. We'll see. But he figures to be a steal. He was a steal in the draft. And it seems that maybe the Nationals are turning the corner in terms of their drafting and their first-round pick and their scouting and development because he really just skyrocketed it up the Nationals farm system and their rankings in the minor leagues. Also, Brady House, who was just drafted this past year, looks like a stud. Um, he was mashing the ball in the Gulf Coast League. He was hitting Grand Slam after Grand Slam. It was amazing to, to hear about from Twitter. And he's a shortstop, but I think he's going to move over to third base. And he figures to be one of the best power hitters in the minors currently. So that's another building block that that uh, Mike Rizzo has established there in that farm system that is starting to head up to the top of the top of the minor leagues in baseball. There's also Yasel Antunia, who I, I believe the Nationals have now moved to the outfield, so it's interesting. He was an infielder, but had struggled on defense. So the Mike Rizzo and the development down in uh, Wilmington or wherever he was at, Wilmington, yeah, decided to move him to center field. So it's in interesting to see more outfield depth in the minors coming up, and I think it just adds more flexibility and potential to this farm system. There was also a second-round pick in 2020, Cole Henry, who came back from injury during this past season in Wilmington and pitched, I mean, amazing. He had a 1.88 ERA, and in 43 innings, he struck out 63 batters. And many people talk about the Nationals pitching farm system depth. They, they just say Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge. But really, I don't think it does justice to Cole Hunter. I think that's a big three right there. I think he's my sleeper. He's definitely my sleeper in this farm system to rise in 2021, uh, 2022 to to rise at the system. And we could see him in AAA, I think. I think he's he's developed. He pitched to LSU. He has power stuff uh, on the mound. Really good K per nine. And he held batters to a 158 batting average. I know this is all coming from Wilmington, high A ball. You know, the competition isn't great there, but it's really good to see early returns on your draft picks and see early success uh, moving forward. And there's also, in this upcoming international class, number two prospect Christian Vaquero and Anthony Gutierrez, who's number six, are both expected to sign with the Nationals. They're both outfielders. And that's huge because the Nationals have always been really have always really delved into the international signing pool. And you've seen returns like Juan Soto. Um, 
And, I mean, Victor Robles did contribute to that 2019 postseason, so yeah. I'll throw him in there as guys who the Nationals uh, signed in the international pool, developed and brought up to the big leagues and contributed however so they did. Uh, Vaquero has drawn comparisons to some of the best players in the, in the league. I mean, he has Mike Trout comparisons. I mean, all-time, too. Ken Griffey. I'm not saying he's going to be that type of player, but Baseball America has him as the number one international prospect. And Gutierrez himself is a really good hitter. And, I mean, he's number six. And they're both about to sign with the Nationals. So, it seems like Mike Rizzo is really working around the clock to develop this farm system. And although I know Nationals fans can't see that right now, they can't, you know, a lot of people can't go to double-A games or triple-A games or single-A games. They can't see the the young players that I'm talking about and fans are talking about and, and talking heads are talking about. But it's more about, you know, having some trust because people forget who our GM is. Mike Rizzo is around baseball considered one of the better GMs. And he's building something here that you might not see today or tomorrow or in the next year. But he's he realized after that 2019 World Series and what happened last year that he needs to build a sustainable winner. And he's starting to back up with all these acquisitions and the recent success. My recent, I mean the last two years of drafting players that have already shown production in the minor leagues. It seems like Mike Grosso has his team back on track. And hopefully fans begin to see that with the replenished farm system, with Juan Soto, hopefully long term, I think it will get done. I do think I'll talk about that in a later episode, but I do think it'll get done. I don't think there's no way the learners are going to let him go. With Juan Soto, with these young players coming up, with an enthusiastic uh, uh, manager like Davey Martinez, the future is bright, and we might not see it next year, but stay along, don't hop off the bandwagon. Because the Nationals in the next couple of years will be here to stay. And some of these players I've been talking about today, you will become household names for this team. And moving forward, I'm very excited for the future of this, of this ball club. I'd like to thank everyone that listened. Uh, this is the first episode of my new podcast. So stay tuned for more episodes coming up about the Washington football team, what, what their name might be. The Wizards and Nationals, maybe even some Capitals. Thank you. I feel like busting loose, busting loose. Give me the bread now.